Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. when a recent high school graduate is found stabbed to death in her own bed. It looked as if the blood just kind of drained from her body. The residents of Salisbury, North Carolina, fear there's a brutal intruder on the loose. People were frightened. One lady told me that she was gonna nail her windows shut. But when the details of the crime scene just aren't adding up. That threw up a red flag to us that this was not random. Police realize the killer could be much closer to home. We just didn't know exactly who could have done this or where they might be. And as investigators dig deeper into the life of the 18-year-old. I always felt like something wasn't right. A deadly secret is uncovered. She really despised the ground that he walked on. How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? Midway between Greensboro and Charlotte, the town of Salisbury is the quintessential North Carolina destination. It's the perfect combination of quiet neighborhoods and a sophisticated downtown. Salisbury is a, a pretty typical North Carolina town. It's a historic town. Salisbury has a reputation among a lot of outsiders as being a historic city with a big arts community. So it has a lot to offer culturally. For the most part, everybody knows everybody in Salisbury. Salisbury is like a small, quiet town. And it's in one of Salisbury's quiet neighborhoods where 18-year-old Brittany Loritz is enjoying the lazy days of summer. Brittany is the apple of her father, Roderick Loritz's eye. Smart, beautiful, just an all-around great kid. She was something special. Everybody around her knew she was special. She had a heart of gold. She was an angel. As with many blended families, 
Roderick shares custody of Brittany with her biological mother, Tina, and Tina's husband, Reggie Weeks Jr. Brittany stayed with her mother. We knew that we had a responsibility to take care of for Brittany's sake. We had to get along, so we did. Roderick remains very involved in his daughter's life. I was always close to her. Took her to the park, took her out, went to eat. I did father stuff, you know. In the summer of 2005, Brittany is a very busy young woman, having just recently graduated from high school. She had just got a job for the summer. And with a little extra cash in her pocket, Brittany is looking to the future. Brittany was very, very intelligent. She was getting ready to go to college. Her whole life was getting ready to change. She was getting ready to move out of the house. A new chapter is beginning for the vivacious teenager. Her whole future is ahead of her. But on Monday, July 11th, 2005, that future is tragically cut short. Officer Brent Hall of the Salisbury Police Department is a new kid on the block. I had been uh, on a patrol officer for Salisbury uh, for probably uh, a year, year and a half. So I was new to the city. And he's taken a real shine to his new hometown. I like the fact that it is small. The people in here are friendly. They help uh, out wherever they can, and, and I enjoy making Salisbury safe. Safe from mostly minor mishaps. Most of the crimes that I respond to are burglaries, car break-ins, larcenies. You, know, you get a few purse snatchings, fights. Which is why, on July 11th, when a dispatch about a possible stabbing comes over the radio, it gets his full attention. Now, on, do you have an emergency? She's not breathing. We don't know what to do. She's been stabbed. I didn't know if the female was alive or what was going on, if there was anybody still on the scene. And so I wanted to get there as quick as possible and see if I could help. When I arrived at Scale Street, I noticed that EMS was here. And there was a couple people standing outside. And I uh, walked up to the house. I uh, went inside to the front right bedroom, just behind these windows right here. The two EMS workers were already in the room. They were checking on the female, working on her. The victim is 18-year-old Brittany Loritz. I noticed that there was blood around her neck, but I didn't know if that was uh, just blood that had come up from somewhere else. It wasn't until I asked the EMS workers where she had been stabbed. They said her neck had been cut. And I had asked if she was still alive, and they said no. I knew then that it was a homicide. Now, it's up to investigators to get to the business of finding Brittany's killer. Special Agent Stephen Holmes comes from a long line of public servants. My um, parents were both employed in the in service in industry. One was a law enforcement and one was a teacher. And I've always enjoyed helping people. So it wasn't a surprise when he followed in his father's footsteps. I've been in law enforcement for seven years now. Um, and for those entire seven years, I worked for the State Bureau of Investigation. The SBI was created for the purpose of assisting uh, local law enforcement, both with manpower and crime scene experience. And with the murder of one of Salisbury's teenagers, local law enforcement will take all the manpower they can get. When we arrived, there were several onlookers and bystanders standing around. The family were all outside the house. As one would expect with the death of, of a child, they were distraught, they were upset, they were crying. 
understandably so, especially since the slain teenager, who had been home alone all day, was found by her stepfather, Reggie Weeks Jr. For Special Agent Holmes, speaking to Brittany's parents will be on the top of his to-do list. But first, he'll have to conduct the initial investigation. I went into the house to see exactly what we were dealing with. This house is a single-family, two-story home. There was nothing too odd about the house. That is, until Holmes walks into Brittany's bedroom and finds a grim scene. Her body was laying face down on the floor beside her bed. There was a lot of blood, but there didn't seem to be as much as there could have been with a stab wound to the neck. The blood just kind of just kind of drained from her body. It appears Brittany wasn't moving as she was bleeding out, and Special Agent Holmes soon discovers why. We were able to see that there was a, um, a ligature mark across the side of her neck. And next to Brittany's bed, investigators find what may have been used to hold her down or strangle her. There was a hanger found in Brittany's room. The, the hanger was unbound, lying on the floor. To our eye, it seemed as if the hanger could have made those ligature marks. It appeared as if Brittany had been both strangled and stabbed. So why strangle and stab a young woman to death? It seemed a bit overdone. It seemed a little excessive because you don't necessarily need both to kill someone. It seems this killer didn't want to leave any loose ends. With no obvious signs of rape, the attack does not appear to be sexually motivated. She was wearing her pajamas, both top and bottom. She had on underpants underneath her pajama bottoms. Perhaps Brittany is not what this killer was ultimately after. Brittany's room looked like it had been ransacked. The drawers were pulled out. Things were pulled out of the drawers and thrown on the floor. And it's not just in Brittany's bedroom. The dining room held a computer stand. The drawers on the computer stand were left open. I initially thought that there was some kind of robbery in the house. And during the course of that robbery, they killed Brittany Loritz. It's a plausible theory, but Special Agent Holmes has his doubts. The problem with that train of thought was that it didn't appear as if anything was taken. There was a computer that hadn't been moved. Mr. and Mrs. Weeks had both jewelry and credit cards in their rooms. It didn't appear as if the things that a robber would want to take had been taken. It seems that this intruder had something else in mind. It looked as if someone was looking for something. But what is the question? The murder of 18-year-old Brittany Loritz is about to get even more complicated. It was determined that there was no forced entry. The doors and the locks hadn't been damaged in any way, as if someone actually broke into the residence. So how did this killer get inside? Maybe Brittany knew whoever the person was that actually went into the house and uh, killed her. Looks like investigators have a full-fledged mystery on their hands. WBTV reporter David Wisnett knows a thing or two about what gets people talking in Salisbury, North Carolina. Scorching spring temperatures take the lives of at least three dogs, including a Salisbury police dog. He's a one-man band when it comes to reporting the local news. As a multimedia journalist, you are both reporter and photographer. I will videotape the story, I'll write the story, edit the story, and then present the story on the air live. 
and the murder of 18-year-old Brittany Loritz has got all the ingredients for a media circus. You've got a teenage girl at her parents' house on a Monday morning in the middle of the summer, murdered in a quiet neighborhood. That gets people's attention. Especially when that teenage girl is the stepdaughter of one of Salisbury's more prominent residents. The Weeks family had been in this community for a long time. They had a construction business. They were considered to be very upstanding citizens with good business practices. I think they were very well thought of. But despite Reggie Weeks Jr.'s reputation, everyone knows the stepfather is always the first suspect. Well, almost everyone. I don't necessarily look at it as if the family is always the first suspects. I look at it as if they're always the first people you want to go to to interview. Either way, interviewing both Reggie Weeks Jr. and Brittany's mother, Tina, is crucial to solving this case. And the more people listening in, the better. Salisbury police detective J.D. Barber is a country boy through and through. I couldn't live anywhere else. I love living in the South. There comes the bull. I like the quietness of the country, the quietness of the farms. It's just what, to me, Southern living is. And while peace and quiet are all well and good, J.D. Barber also knows the meaning of hard work. I guess you could say I had two full-time jobs. I was a police officer, and I'm also a full-time beef farmer. But on July 11th, his day job is calling, and Detective Barber is going to work the murder of a teenage girl until the cows come home. Anytime you see somebody that's younger and not had a chance to live their life is always hard. I get very involved because we're having to speak for them because I can't speak for myself anymore. But now, it's time for Barber to listen. Less than 24 hours after Brittany's murder, both Reggie and Tina Weeks head over to the Salisbury Police Department for a formal sit-down. Anytime you're doing an interview with a family member, and in particular ones that have found their family members murdered like this, you I mean, you gotta be sympathetic to them. At the same time, police need to make sure Reggie Weeks Jr. has himself one good alibi. Uh, he was the last one to see her that morning, and he was the first one to find her that afternoon when she was deceased. We need to get uh, details from him on his whereabouts. And his whereabouts are certainly detailed. Reggie Weeks Jr. told us that his day started at about 7, and he left home. He told us that he went to a job site on Bourbon Street. And then he proceeded to a home on uh, Pinewood Avenue in Salisbury, where he repaired some sheetrock in a bathroom. At that point, he went to a mechanic shop and then had one final errand. Reggie Weeks had told us that uh, he was supposed to meet with a woman sometime after 4 o'clock that afternoon for a job that she was wanting done. To get ready for the job, Reggie Jr. met with his dad and owner of the company, Reggie Sr. They drove back to his home located on Scale Street to pick up some proposal papers to go meet with this lady about doing some work at her home. He said that he went inside of his house, went to where the proposal papers were, saw that the drawers in the computer stand were ajar, and he thought that was odd. Odd because their modest home is usually neat and tidy. So he called her name. Brittany! 
She didn't answer, opened the door, and saw Brittany laying on the bed. Uh, so he went into the room and tried to wake Brittany up. He told us that he saw a hole in her neck, and he uh, grabbed and held her. Reggie starts screaming, and his dad hears the scream from outside and comes running into the home. It's an upsetting story to recount. And the details of Reggie Jr.'s alibi still have to check out. Meanwhile, Brittany's mother Tina's alibi is less complicated. Her day consisted of going to work and staying at work until about four when she returned home. It looks like Brittany's parents are on the up and up. Mr. Weeks told us that he was willing to do whatever necessary to help us in the investigation to include taking a polygraph. And the police might just take him up on that offer. But for now, they need to know if Reggie or Tina knew of anyone that might be capable of harming Brittany. We asked Reggie Weeks who he thought could do this, and he didn't have a person who he knew that would do something like this. Well, police just might have someone in mind, Brittany's biological father, Roderick Loritz. But it doesn't take long before he, too, is cleared off the suspect list. We learned that Roderick Loretz, Brittany's biological father, was in fact out of town at the time of Brittany's death. Still, Brittany's father wants investigators to be 100% sure. I even wanted them to put me on a lie detector test, you know, just in case they didn't believe what I was saying. I was that dedicated into finding out what happened to my daughter. With family members questioned and freed to go, investigators revisit the robbery-gone-wrong theory. Perhaps a neighbor might have caught a glimpse of something suspicious. Well, anytime we have a homicide such as this, we always do a neighborhood canvas of the area to see if anyone had saw something unusual going on through the day that could lead us to maybe who had uh, done this to Brittany Lorette. And at first, the canvas turns up a promising lead. There were uh, some neighbors who told us that they saw a, uh, a man running in between houses. Promising, except for the fact that no one got a good look at this stranger. And if this was a home invasion gone wrong, perhaps there are other similar crimes in the area that can offer a little insight. We searched just within the city limits of Salisbury in that general area, but there were no larcenies, no um, home burglars or even businesses in the area that had reported any crimes or any of, there was no even assaults reported. Maybe investigators are barking up the wrong tree. We didn't know what happened. It could have been a family member. It could have been a random situation. It could have been a friend. We just didn't know. And the autopsy results are about to reveal a surprising twist, leaving investigators to question everything they think they know about this case. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The lazy days of summer in Salisbury, North Carolina, are usually spent basking in the afternoon sun or taking shelter from the heat at the local ice cream parlor. But in 2005, the seemingly random murder of 18-year-old Brittany Loritz in her Scale Street home has left residents in a haze. That neighborhood is a very quiet neighborhood. In my years of covering crime, I never had been on that street for anything, not even minor offenses. People in the neighborhood were frightened. One lady told me that she was gonna nail her windows shut. Who did this? How could this happen? That's what people wanted to know. And no one more than Brittany's half-sister, Osti Loritz. Although the two sisters lived apart, they were thick as thieves. Every morning before I talked to anybody else, I was talking to my sister. Every night before I went to sleep, I was talking to my sister. Brittany was my life. Osti was just five days shy of her 15th birthday when her big sister was murdered. She was my best friend, so it was pretty devastating when we lost her. In the blink of an eye, my life just, it changed completely. Now, it's up to police to give this grieving family closure, and Special Agent Holmes is taking this one personally. I can't imagine what something like this would be like to a family, having a loved one die in such a manner. And the manner of death becomes even more disturbing when Brittany's preliminary autopsy report comes back. It appeared that Brittany had been strangled first with the coat hanger and knocked unconscious, but that didn't kill her. And what killed her was a stab wound. It was a deep, lethal stab wound. And that's not the only thing investigators learn from the autopsy. At the time Brittany's body was found, there was no evidence or signs of any sexual assault. But a closer look reveals something else. The medical report also revealed that on Brittany's genitalia, there was an abrasion 
That told us that there was some kind of sex that occurred prior to her dying. Brittany's murder just might be sexually motivated after all. But things aren't always as they seem. The medical examiner said that this abrasion could have happened from consensual sex. And there's something else that may support this theory. There were no signs of struggle on Brittany's body or in her bedroom. The lack of the defensive wounds tells us that she could have known the person. A DNA sample may be all investigators need to close this case, except there is no DNA. There was no semen detected. The killer may have worn protection. The fact that a suspect would go through the trouble of using a condom shows that there was, there was an intent there at least to have sex. But why redress her? Brittany's body was found fully clothed. That would tell you that that is somebody very familiar with, with Brittany and that cared about Brittany to go to the trouble to uh, reclothe her. Maybe, just maybe, investigators have been looking at this murder all wrong. This could have been someone she had let into the home and had consensual sex with, um, some kinky type sex with on strangulation part, and passed out and whoever was having sex with her could have just gotten scared. Scared that he may have accidentally murdered her. They didn't know how to report this crime. They freaked out. And just to cover some tracks or something, stabbed her. Then staged the crime scene to look like a robbery gone wrong. It's a long shot, but at this point, anything is possible. When there's no forced entry, and you have drawers pulled out within the home and none of it's dumped on the floor, that this is a red flag to me that this was a stage crime to make to cover up something else. Investigators need to find out all they can about the teenager's love life. And there's no better person to ask than Brittany's sister, Osti Luritz. We spoke to Brittany's sister about a week or two into the investigation. Osti told us that she had a good relationship with her sister, that they talked often. And Osti provides police with information about Brittany's current boyfriend, a young man named Terry Biddle. Brittany was crazy about Terry. She talked about him all the time, and everything about Terry was just perfect, perfect, perfect. Maybe too perfect. We thought that it was possible that he was responsible for killing Brittany. Perhaps Terry had swung by the Scale Street home that Monday, and things got out of hand. But there's only one way to know for sure. We located Terry. He came to the police department, and he immediately cooperated. Investigators start the interview with the basics. What was your relationship like with Brittany? When was the last time you saw her? Oh, and can you account for your whereabouts the day your girlfriend was murdered? Terry told us that he had been seeing Brittany for several months at the time of her death, that he hadn't seen Brittany for about two weeks because Brittany and her family had been on vacation. It sounds fine and good, but can he prove it? Terry gave us his whereabouts on that Monday on the 11th, uh, which we were able to corroborate. Terry was cleared and eliminated by law enforcement. Terry, like everyone else, is all torn up over Brittany's murder. Still, investigators aren't quite ready to give up on the idea 
that one of Brittany's old flames might also be her killer. Especially when about two weeks in, police learned some troubling information from Brittany's mother. While speaking with Tina Weeks, we learned of an abortion that Brittany Lorette had uh, some five years prior to her death. When pressed further, Brittany's mother shuts down. It's obviously an emotional topic. We asked Tina if she knew who the father was. She said no. Tina's not talking. But the town gossips have plenty to say. According to the rumor mill, it might have been Brittany's old boyfriend, a local troublemaker named Jerome Buckler. We had received information of an old boyfriend that Brittany had some dealings with several years ago, an older boyfriend, who had a little bit of a criminal history at the time, not the best of character in the world. Turns out, Brittany's family wasn't all that fond of Buckler either. Reggie did tell us that he'd really had some problems out of the older boyfriend some years ago. He thought maybe that was the direction we need to go because he had seen this guy walking up and down the road recently. He has his criminal record. It's just prudent that we speak to him as soon as possible. But when police question him, Jerome's tough guy persona begins to crumble. He was upset. He cried. He wasn't nervous like he was involved in this crime. Jerome's emotions seem genuine. To be sure, police ask him to prove it. He was willing to take a polygraph. We also ask if he would consent to hair samples and perhaps blood samples, which he did voluntarily. Looks like Jerome Buckler won't be adding a murder charge to his rap sheet. All of Brittany's old flames are quickly eliminated. And her quiet social life doesn't offer much insight to detectives either. There was no indication that she was run with the wrong crowd or involved in any type of illegal drugs or anything. Brittany's friends kind of described Brittany as being quiet, as a peacemaker. She was just a homebody and stayed at home and, and never bothered us all. So who would want this innocent girl dead? Investigators feel there's still one person with some explaining to do. And what he has to say will rocket him to the top of the suspect list. Get more Nightmare Next Door online at investigation.discovery.com. The good folks of Salisbury, North Carolina, are devout people who live by the lessons of the good book. So when several weeks pass with no arrests in the murder of Brittany Loritz, they all start praying a little harder. Salisbury is definitely a church-going community. We are in the Bible Belt, and it's a big part of the fabric of life here. There are 250 churches in this county. And it's in one of those churches that Reggie Weeks Jr. and his family worship nearly seven days a week. People referred to Mr. Weeks Jr. as a deacon. That told me how involved in the church he was. Most people had a very positive impression of Reggie Weeks himself. Which is why police find it strange. When days into the investigation, Reggie still hasn't made good on his promise to help find Brittany's killer. Reggie and his family, his wife and his dad, were supposed to met with us to provide us with DNA samples and fingerprints, and they never showed. Perhaps it's just a misunderstanding. Detectives decide to follow up. 
and we went to their home and they told us they retained an attorney and they would not be cooperating with law enforcement anymore. Maybe Reggie is just playing it safe by hiring a lawyer, but J.D. Barber doesn't think so. Well, that immediately throws up a red flag to us that he has retained an attorney. It was perfectly explained to him that, you know, you live in this home, your DNA is going to be in this home, your fingerprints are going to be in this home, we need to get those and eliminate them. But that right there tells me uh, they're hiding something. But what? If they want to find out, investigators will have to take a closer look at Reggie's story. The first interview the day after Brittany was found, Reggie specifically told us that he picked her up and cradled her like a baby, and his clothes were completely covered in Brittany's blood. These actions sound reasonable, considering the situation. But there's a big problem. There were photographs taken by the media here in uh, Salisbury of Reggie standing outside of the crime scene. Uh, from those photos, there was no blood visible on what he was wearing. Due to the amount of blood that was on Brittany, I personally can't understand how you wouldn't have blood on you. If Reggie Weeks had a cradled Brittany like he said he did, from waist up, he should have been soaked in blood. Reggie Weeks just flat out told us a lie. He's been caught in a lie, and he's no longer cooperating with police. Reggie is quickly moving up the suspect list, but he still has one thing going for him, his alibi. He gave us very detailed descriptions of everything he did that day up until the time he found Brittany. We had to go back and retrace his steps just to see, in fact, he was telling us the truth. After all, in the construction business, there's nothing out of the ordinary about visiting several job sites throughout the day. If Reggie is being honest with police, his alibi will hold water. Unfortunately for him, it's leaking like a sieve. According to Reggie, he left the house around 7 a.m., spoke briefly to a neighbor, and went straight to work. But when investigators dig a little deeper, they find a big problem. Reggie's timeline just isn't lining up. Reggie is supposedly left around 7 or 7.15, went straight to a job site. We know that's not true. We had two witnesses come forward that saw Reggie Weeks around 7 o'clock on Monday morning leave his home and turn around in the middle of an intersection and drive back to the home. Why would he head back to the house? Perhaps he simply forgot something, but investigators don't think so. Well, according to Mr. Weeks Jr., he was not at home all day. Well, according to eyewitnesses, he was. He was observed again back at his home around lunchtime when the mail lady caught him off guard but it's how she describes Reggie's behavior that piques investigators' interest. She said he was very upset and shaken and in a worried manner, didn't know what he was doing. It sounds like what he was doing was covering his tracks. Brittany! And investigators are about to pull another thread from Reggie's unraveling story. Reggie had told us he'd stopped and saw him to a neighbor's around 7 or 7.15 that morning. This individual stated he did come by, but it was not that early. It was around 11, 11, 15 that day, some four hours later than Reggie had told uh, law enforcement. A discrepancy of a few minutes might just be a mistake, but he's four hours off. And four hours would have given Reggie plenty of time to commit murder. 
And there's one last hole in Reggie's story that seals the deal for detectives. Reggie did tell us that uh, the reason going back to his home was to pick up some proposal papers. He had had some conversation with a female by the name of Amanda Scott, uh, who was wanting some work done to her home. Perhaps Miss Scott can shed a little light on things, except there's one small problem. We searched Reggie's telephone records where he said he had spoken with her on several occasions, and particularly two or three times on the day Brittany was found, and those records were never found. To this day, we have not located Amanda Scott. And investigators can't find any evidence that Amanda Scott has ever existed. He made this name up in order to go back home to get some proposal papers and have his father with him so he could have some type of alibi. And what it all boils down to is this. When he left the home that morning, it's our belief that Brittany was already dead and that Reggie ran around like a chicken with his head cut off because he was scared and he was doing everything he can to increase his alibis. But it didn't work. So why would a church-going man like Reggie Weeks Jr. want his stepdaughter dead? Investigators are about to learn that things aren't always as they seem when Brittany's family and friends drop a bombshell. She couldn't stand him. She really despised the ground that he walked on. I think Reggie knew that she was going to tell him what he had been doing. She was getting ready to let the cat out of the bag. With the circumstantial evidence stacked against Brittany Loritz's stepfather, police have little doubt that Reggie Weeks Jr. is their killer. But for J.D. Barber, there has always been something that didn't quite sit right with him about Reggie. Just call it good old-fashioned police instincts. My gut feeling was always that it was him, but you can't get tunnel vision just on that. You don't want to focus on just one person. You want to make sure we hit all avenues with boyfriends, uh, anybody she's had problem with. We just want to cover up all angles of this crime and make sure we're getting the right person. And police now believe that right person is Reggie Weeks Jr. And they're not alone. For Brittany's dad, Roderick, it's a sixth sense. It was just my good instinct telling me that he did it. It's something that I can't explain to you or anybody else. I know who killed my daughter. I know. One conversation in particular initially gave Roderick pause. The day that Brittany was murdered, Reggie and I had a conversation. And out of the blue, he said that she died a peaceful death. And I'm thinking, how would you know that she died a peaceful death if, unless you did it? But the question on everybody's lips is why? It's something that Brittany's sister, Osti, would like to know as well. Even though Osti didn't live with her big sis, she knows one thing for sure. Reggie ran a very tight ship. Brittany couldn't go anywhere. She couldn't do anything. She never really got to live her life as a teenager. For Reggie, even allowing Brittany to visit her little sister had been out of the question. It was crazy because we really never did get to see each other and never got to spend time with each other. We didn't even stay two miles apart. It all adds up to an uneasy feeling that's tough for Osti to shake. 
in the back of my mind, I always felt like something wasn't right with their family situation, but I never said anything about it or never acted on it. But apparently, Brittany did. Brittany Loritz had told a couple people that she was scared of her stepfather, that he was very, very strict on her and wouldn't let her participate in anything outside the home without him being present. He had to have her in his sights at all times. Based on what Brittany's friends told us, they didn't think it was a good relationship. It sounded as if there was a lot of tension between the two. Tension that escalated to murder. The way Brittany sometimes talked, it sounds like the idea isn't too far off base. She would always make jokes about, like, finding out what he was allergic to so we could bake a cake and put it in there. It was jokes, but she never would say why she was so angry at him. But Brittany's jokes didn't end there. One of Brittany's friends told us that Brittany revealed to them that her stepdad raped her. The friend became upset and said that she was going to tell someone. And Brittany said, uh, I was just playing, leave it alone, don't say anything. And Brittany kind of made a joke about it, and it kind of went away. It's a shocking allegation, one that investigators can't be sure is true or not. But it definitely gets them thinking. Perhaps there was some kind of relationship between Mr. Weeks and Brittany that we hadn't thought of before. It's an upsetting thought but it might tie up one final loose end. At first, investigators believed Brittany might have had consensual sex before she was murdered. The lack of the defensive wounds tells us that it could have been consensual or that the suspect or violator attacked her in a way that didn't allow her to, to defend herself. If Reggie did have sexual contact with Brittany, it was far from consensual in light of the abuse allegations against him and the fact that there was no seminal DNA and there were obvious signs of a staged robbery, makes investigators consider another possible theory. The assault was staged as well. The lack of DNA and the blunt force trauma to Brittany's vaginal area tells us this was some kind of force by a blunt object instead of a man's penis. Perhaps the staged sexual assault may have been just another one of Reggie's attempts to throw off police. I think that's the reason why this was made to look like some sort of rape, to make it look like somebody else came into the home and done this. It's a disturbing crime, and investigators aren't 100% sure if it was premeditated or not. I don't know if it was his intention when he woke up that morning to, to kill Brittany or that he had an argument or altercation with Brittany that resulted in him killing Brittany. But investigators now have a theory about Reggie's motive. We believe that the uh, relationship that Reggie Weeks and Brittany Loritz had, not only unhealthy, but a very guarded relationship. She was getting ready to move out of the house, and um, I think Reggie didn't like that. He just didn't like the fact that she was getting ready to leave. Reggie knew that she was going to tell it, so he killed her. And with evidence and motive on their side, investigators know they finally have the upper hand. It was agreed upon by myself and Agent Home that circumstantially it could be nobody else but Reggie Weeks that had committed this crime. An arrest warrant was drawn up on Reggie Weeks. 
and he, in fact, was arrested on August the 12th of 2005. The idea that she lived under the same roof as this monster is hard to handle for Brittany's father, Roderick. I didn't think that he was the type of person that he was, because if I had any idea, I would have probably did something myself to him. And what's even harder for Roderick is knowing that Brittany's mother, Tina, stood by her husband through it all. I think Tina loved Brittany, but I felt like that she was trying to protect Reggie, and she was like in denial. But there's no denying what's in store for Reggie now. With the evidence mounted against him, Reggie decides to cut a deal, which grants him lesser charges of second-degree murder and second-degree rape, and therefore, less time behind bars. Reggie Weeks pled to second-degree murder in the death of his stepdaughter, Brittany Lorette, and received a nine-year sentence. The sentence is a tough pill to swallow, not only for investigators and Brittany's family, but for the residents of Salisbury as well. I would say our community was very shocked, very disappointed with his sentence because they looked at a man who was guilty of murdering and raping his stepdaughter. People were very upset about that. What's even more upsetting is the emerging picture of what really happened on that hot summer day in 2005. Brittany and Reggie, they got into an argument. It got very heated and it got out of control by Reggie and he snapped. He was on top of her holding her down with that clothes hanger trying to keep her under control. But soon, Brittany lost consciousness. Reggie got real scared and freaked out when Brittany passed out. Fearing that he may have killed her, he decided to finish the job. He went and removed a knife from the kitchen and came back and stabbed her to make sure she was dead. And then the cover-up began. He removed the clothing on Brittany. And then he used some kind of sexual object to cause abrasions in her genitalia area to make it look like somebody had raped her and then reclothed her. Finally, he staged the scene to throw off police of his involvement. But it didn't work. Reggie Weeks Jr. is currently serving time in a North Carolina state prison. The murder of 18-year-old Brittany Loritz has been tough on everyone, but no one more than Brittany's sister. I was numb. I had no feelings towards anything. I went from being a almost straight-A honor student to dropping out of high school. My life took a turn for the worse. But Brittany's memory lives on, and that gives Osti hope for the future. I'm just now starting to get back on my feet and get myself together. Thinking about my sister and her dreams and her aspirations and what she would want me to have out of life makes me a very strong person. And the residents of Salisbury, North Carolina? Well, they haven't fully recovered either from the crime that rocked their once quiet town. Brittany Loritz's murder tore away at the innocence in this community. And it sort of made folks realize that, yeah, it can happen here in Salisbury. Horrible crimes can happen like this. 